Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your spring training home for Cubs news updates and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. You can also find us at bleedcubbyblue.com. And we blast every episode and related content on our Twitter at Cup of Cubby Blue. And Andy, oh my God, it is two weeks until opening day. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek. And in light of all the coronavirus stuff that's going on, and if there is an opening day in sh- at Wrigley for the Chicago Cubs in a couple weeks, I might be there. I might be there, too. And I might be watching from my couch along with millions of fans who can't go to the game. Right? Uh, oh, this is nuts. I, yeah, so let's jump into this. Before we get to the seriousness of coronavirus, and it is very serious, people, so we are absolutely going to treat it with the seriousness that it deserves. Can I tell you, like, one funny joke about the coronavirus from oh, a cousin geez. of mine? Sure, go ahead. So Andy knows this. Some of our listeners know this because I've mentioned it before, but part of my non-baseball job involves planning events and those types of things, and um, we have an event coming up that's really important that I've been working on for a long time. It like all events in the universe is super complicated by the coronavirus. And it's, you know, it's just been hard. Like you want people to be safe at your events and you want everybody to have a good experience and you don't want to put people in harm's way. And so we're debating what we're going to do, if that's going to be canceled or not. And it's just, it's really rough to put all the energy into event planning when you're also like simultaneously contingency planning to undo all of that. So I was venting to a cousin of mine about this and she's like, should call it the coronavirus. <laughs> It's the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so that is good. And you know, my family, if, if they choose to listen to this episode, will get a kick out of that and they will be calling it that. I promise. Just, just tell them to listen to the first five minutes because coronavirus should totally be a thing. That is hilarious. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I have to go ahead and put it out there because I know people have seen me tweet about it, but I probably need to explain it a little bit better. And I know you know this because we've discussed it a couple of times, but my, my day job has an incentive trip planned that has been being planned now for two years, like literally started planning this two years ago. And this is an incentive trip, meaning if you're a producer at my, at my company and you hit a certain threshold, then you are invited to go on this all expenses trip with our company to Spain. Well, my producer that I work for, that I'm an assistant for produced enough so that myself and my colleague, who is also an assistant for him, both get to go with our significant others, all expenses paid. We're going to two cities in Spain, five-star hotels, there's all kinds of excursions that you could go on. Um, oh. Yeah, we take a train from San Sebastian to Barcelona, and we're stopping at one of the nicest wineries for a day. Like, just trip of a lifetime, right? Stop, and you're describing my dream trip. <laughs> I know, trust me. Like, I have said since the beginning of time, I am not an inter- international world traveler. Like, that just, for me it just, it raises my blood pressure. Like I have so much anxiety thinking about that. Even before all this coronavirus stuff, this trip was just, it was such a point of stress for me. And I'm, I'm not ungrateful in the slightest, but this is just a reality for me and my personality as far as, you know, lining everything up for my children. Um, all the what ifs, you know, I'm just one of those people that that's, that's the kind of thing that goes totally. through my brain when you talk about this. So 
add in now the, the stress of this coronavirus. And um, basically, we were told once this trip is ticketed, which for us was a couple months ago, if you were, and this, this, the coronavirus was not even an issue at that point, or it was, but just not something that threatened our trip. But we were told if you back out now, you will have to pay fees to get out of the trip. So fast forward to this week, and I'm kind of freaking out because I'm like, I really don't want to go. I don't feel good about this. This is something that's weighing very heavy on me. And my company ends up sending out an email on Monday and basically they're giving us until next Wednesday to decide whether or not we want to go on this trip or not. So the good news is, I don't want to say good news. There's no good news in this. Let's not kid ourselves. The the, the news that I feel better about is that I think people are going to start to take this a little bit more serious and hopefully our country or the airlines or somebody like that makes this decision very easy for me. But I think in the back of my mind, I've already decided we're not going to go. I just right. don't think it's worth it. Um, it's at the end of this month. Like we would live literally be leaving on the 28th and returning April 4th. It, to me, it's just the, the risks are just not worth it. And I don't even know that I could go over there and have fun. Cause I just feel like this would be on the, on, on, you know, in the back of my mind, like, what if, what if, what if, so, yeah, so I think that's that's why there is a possibility that if there is an opening day at Wrigley, if the home opener, then we may be there if we don't go to Spain, if there is one. I mean, because that's like something we're going to discuss that the, the impact this is having on sports. Well, and so let's just jump right into it, because that is that is the thing, right? Like the it's not just, you know, getting on a plane and going overseas. Uh, that obviously is a place where you come into contact with a lot of people who you wouldn't normally be in contact with, who could theoretically infect you or you could then infect them, et cetera. But sports are having this really big moment and baseball is no exception about trying to determine the exact same thing, which is, is it responsible to put 30 to 40,000 people in close quarters for any reason right now? And as of this recording, so we're recording Wednesday night, on March 11th, uh, March Madness is not going to have fans, which is just going to be a totally wild and absolutely crazy thing to watch. Because, you know, like, yes, the basketball is fun and I want to see the basketball and basketball is great. But the idea of seeing that in a totally silent stadium is just weird to me. Like that is that is wild in and of itself. Um, the Warriors... I- the Golden State Warriors have said they are going to be playing their games uh, in a state in an arena with no fans. And then I, I just want to add two more that are closer to baseball before we jump into it, Andy. The Mariners and Giants are already having conversations about ways to deal with the fact that their states are under states of emergency where there are not gatherings of more than a thousand people allowed. And so they're not going to be able. <laughs> to open their games at home and they're looking for other places they can play or talking about playing again without fans. And this is just going to be a reality that all fans of sports are going to have to deal with in the coming months. And as as much as I would love to see you for opening day, I mean, hi, we have like an opening day tradition now. We've already done it once. We're totally doing it till the end of time. I wouldn't be shocked if there wasn't an opening day crowd at Wrigley Field. (laughs) Is that crazy? 
No, no. At this point in time, there's just so much risk. And I want to be real clear about something because I think this is something that people fail to think about. And um, it's something that I think I'm probably very sensitive to just based on recent events in my life with my family and that sort of thing. But it's not about who like, I'm not worried about myself being infected. I'm not even worried about my children being infected. We're very much a healthy family. We have a very healthy lifestyle. Rarely is anybody sick. I am worried about the chance that I am a carrier and who I come into contact that would not be able to um, have the same reaction to this virus that I would. Right. That's what I'm worried about. I am around older people that I worry about on a daily basis, not even before the, I mean, before the coronavirus, I worried about them on a daily basis. They're not in good health. They just, you know, and they don't have the best health care at their fingertips, stuff like that. That's what concerns me. These are people who are very important in my everyday life that I would want to see continuously. I don't want to have to be quarantined from them for four weeks because I went on a, on a, trip for a week that I was paranoid the entire time. Like to me, it's just not worth it. And I would just rather keep myself and the people that are around me out of harm's way. I mean, that's just my decision. I think we'll start to see more and more people go that direction. And honestly, even if they don't tell us that fans aren't allowed at, at opening day or fans can still go to opening day, just use you know, their best judgment, their best caution. I still think that we start to see crowds and big major events trickle. I don't think people are, I think people are going to start and take this a little bit more serious because it is definitely something to worry about. And again, it's not the common public that is at risk. That is, you know, essentially it's, it acts like the flu to most people, but there is that part of our society, you know, the older folks, the people with that have, you know, their, have deficiencies in their immune system that would not be able to survive getting that virus or they would have, it would, it would be treated a lot different in their body than it would everybody else's. And to me, it's just, it's not worth it. You guys, like, seriously, it's sports. They will be there when all this passes. Well, and, and the whole, like, it's just like the flu thing. Like I, I get it. Like if I catch this thing or if you catch this thing in all likelihood, it's going to be just like the flu does now, just like a flu that no one's ever had before that we have no immunity to and no drugs to treat. So just want to throw that out there. But like, yeah, like I'm relatively healthy. I'm relatively young. I'm probably going to be fine. But for older people in the population, for people who are over 60, people who are over 65, the mortality rate has been so much higher. I mean, I granted these numbers are a few days old. We don't know precisely what these numbers are because there haven't been enough people tested to know what the end size is. But for some older populations, you're looking at people who are dying at rates of like 8 to 15 percent. Wow. That That's is an crazy. incredibly dangerous flu, people. That is like more dangerous than the 1918 flu pandemic that killed millions of people. And it's just it's not worth it to go to a parade or to go to a sporting event, knowing that you're putting other people at risk like that. I actually, um, so I had a plane ticket for this weekend to go to Boston for a friend's memorial service. That memorial service has been postponed because of this virus. Cause a lot of the people who were going to be there 
were older and they couldn't even fathom the idea of like, we had all these people fly in for this memorial service and put them in risk. Right. Um, and so I'm, I'm not going, the airlines were easy, like easy to work with at this time. A lot of airlines are being super um, helpful in terms of change fees and cancellation fees and all of that. But my decision wasn't about me. I love Boston. I lived there for six years. I would love to see friends. It would be great. My decision was about who do I sit next to on that plane that I'm putting at risk that I don't even know. Right. And yeah. I, I just couldn't do it. And I, I probably won't do it for a baseball game in the short term either, as much as I want to, like being at Wrigley Field is my favorite place on the planet, but I will totally understand if there are limitations in terms of the number of people who are let into the games, the number of tickets sold, whether there are fans at the games at all, I, I will be sad about it. I will miss it. Being at Wrigley makes me immensely happy. And at this moment in time, I'm not entirely sure that it's the right thing to do to put 40,000 people in close quarters. Yeah. So uh, this was another thing I had not gotten a chance to tell you this, but tomorrow would be my dad's 67th birthday. Oh, I'm sorry. And yes. No, it's good. It's fine. We were going to um, bury his cremains on his birthday. We still have not done that yet. And my sister, I have a sister that lives out in California. Um, she was going to come in and we were going to, the four of us girls were going to be together and do it and, and have it just kind of have it be something very intimate with the four of us and just be done with it, you know? And, um, she happens to work for the government slash NASA. And they basically told her, we don't want you to fly. We don't want you to be at risk. We need you to be healthy. You know, you're one of our people that needs to respond in the case of any kind of emergency that this country could have. You need to be able to respond. You cannot get sick. And my, my other two sisters and I are within driving distance. So we're like, no, absolutely not. Let's wait till this passes. We have plenty of time to do this. You don't need to risk it. And not to mention, we have the majority of the relatives that we would see at home are 60 plus. So, you know, she was like, I, I just can't, I can't do that to anybody, you know, knowing that, knowing that I, there's things that I could be bringing them that are unknown, you know? So um, it was just one of those things that we were like, well, let's just hold off and, and not, not do this right now. And, you know, his birthday is going to be tough enough as it is and not to add that stress to it. So we're like, we'll just go ahead and wait. So it's just, it's not worth it. And I can't stress that enough. It's not about, and that's people keep forgetting this. It's not about how you will react to it or how sick you will get. It's about who you could be exposing to it. Absolutely. I want to talk about a couple of other things. So we already covered some of the sporting events and specifically baseball events that have already been affected. For right now, the Cubs are scheduled to play against the Brewers on the 26th. Nothing has changed about that. The Cubs are scheduled to have their home opener on the 30th of March. Nothing has changed about that. But keep an eye out for news because that could change rather rapidly. I mean, they canceled the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Chicago this morning. Two days ago, they were talking about how they were going to have it. So all of this stuff changes rather rapidly. We're all going to be watching March Madness with no fans, which is going to be wild. The NBA is going to make an announcement on Thursday about whether they're postponing parts of the season or having games with no fans or what exactly that will look like. We already mentioned that the Giants and the A's um, will have some restrictions in terms of their uh, uh, exhibition on March 24th, they usually play an exhibition game before the season starts. The Mariners are not opening at home and they're trying to figure out a wh where they're going to open instead. 
The one thing we haven't talked about here that I think is really interesting and will affect the type of news you get about baseball is the MLB has banned reporters from the clubhouse. And Ken Rosenthal has a really interesting piece about this in The Athletic talking about the type of access that precludes reporters from having and the types of stories and the type of color that those stories have that they won't have without that access. And Andy, I'm just curious, what do you think about MLB not having reporters in the clubhouse? Well, I, I've heard a couple of people mention this too. I think my concern is not that they're doing it right now. My concern is that they it sticks, that it's something that they just keep doing, that even when all of this madness goes away that they will continue to not let media um have access to the players which from from you know as other radio people that i've been listening to kind of all over the country have mentioned that that is a very strong possibility that they end up really liking this that the players insist on this but i think honestly um i don't love it i love it right now because of what's happening but i can't see it being a long-term thing uh, there's just such a personal touch there when a, a media member has a chance to interact with a player face-to-face -face, or at least in the same room. You know, and, and keep in mind the pictures that we get from that. Keep in mind the facial expressions that we would not get. Um, you know, it's just to me, I think it's such an important part of being able to cover a story and adding that personal touch to these players. And I think that's probably undervalued. I understand why we're doing it right now. Trust me when I say I totally get it and I I appreciate that they're really trying to protect everyone. I just hope that they don't get carried away with that and think that it's something that needs to needs to happen all the time because it like, you know, like I said, it's such a valuable part of making these players human to the public and to fans. And I mean, think of all the the funny little quips that players do, you know, the faces they make, just things that we wouldn't have if we didn't have media members face to face with players. Right. Yeah, I think that that's the really interesting thing. And, and I'm so glad you mentioned whether this would be a permanent state of affairs or not. I mean, I can totally appreciate why athletes might want to have their clubhouse space to themselves and to not have to deal with reporter interviews. I mean, I can't imagine how hard it is if you've just pitched a terrible game, you gave up like nine runs and two innings or something, and all of a sudden you have to answer a whole bunch of questions about it. That must totally suck. <laughs> like, I would not like to do that. At the same time, we get incredible stories because of those interactions, and we learn a lot about who these players are, how they react to things, you know, as Rosenthal's piece talks about, you, you just pick up on little nuances of how players act, of their personalities. You get little tidbits of stories here and there. And so I hope that this is not a permanent state of affairs because I feel like we have some tremendous sports writing out there right now. And I, I mean, I read The Athletic voraciously. I learned so much from all of the different writers there. And it would be a loss. It would be a real loss to our understanding of the team, our understanding of team dynamics, our understanding of what's going on in the game for those stories to not be told. Well, and I'm just going to go ahead and make light of the situation. I would not get to see Jason Hayward's arms anymore. And that is important. <laughs> I, I mean, need to see his arms. I mean, and there is that awesome <laughs> picture of Nicholas Castellanos and Chris Bryant in Moana t-shirts <gasps> that we would not have. <laughs> oh, swoon. Yes. Seriously.
I'm just thinking of all the things that happen in the background that were like, oh, I, I, I wouldn't know about that. Speaking you know, of things, speaking of things in the background, my neighbor's dog is barking and I'm sure my mic is picking that up. No, so I, I apologize. For I couldn't hear anything. <laughs> no, honestly, I was just going to say when you started to mention, think about if you had to pitch a really bad game and then go face to face with the with the media members and, and answer questions. All I could think about is John Lester's face when he gives an interview after one of those performances <laughs> because his face says Rarely. a million times Rarely. more words than his mouth does. And yeah. it is priceless. So to not have that is is going to make me really sad. <laughs> I totally agree with that. All right. We are going to be keeping a close eye on this. If anything changes with the Cubs decisions or their policies, you will hear about it here first. Uh, we have a lot more to talk about in the run up to opening day. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. But on the flip side, where are we talking opening day starter? Who looks like they've got the fifth spot in the rotation? the 26-man roster spot, and more. So be sure to stay with us on the flip side. But first, a quick break. And we're back. Let's start with the big revelation today that the opening day starter is either going to be Kyle Hendricks or you, Darvish. I love both of these options for different reasons. <laughs> Andy, who you got for opening day starter? So I'm going to try and keep this as short as possible, but I'm going with you, Darvish. Here's my reason. I think putting you Darvish, making calling it and just saying he's our opening day starter, I think that is a huge boost of confidence for him. He's already flying high. The last half of the season last year, he had some fantastic outings, really was on the upswing, looked like he could be that ace pitcher that we knew he had it in him. I think calling him the opening day starter is really just going to push him over that threshold. Kyle Hendricks, I think, is somebody who already knows who he is. He already knows he's going to go out there and dominate and, and just finesse people and, and just be the pitcher that we know he is, that he showed us time and time again he is. I don't think he needs that. He doesn't need that. He knows who he is. He can pitch like that regardless if he's a five or if he's a one. So naming him an opening day starter I don't think would benefit him as much as it would a U Darvish. And it, it absolutely has nothing to do with pitch. I think it has pitching. It, it has more to do with morale and my reasoning. Yeah, I'm actually totally fine with either one of these options. I think that you Darvish definitely earned that spot after the way he finished the season last year. I mean, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball for the second half. And it was a revelation. I mean, that streak where he like didn't walk anybody for multiple games was out of control. That's crazy. <laughs> I was literally on Twitter just like every new every new inning. I'm like, there's another one. 15, 16, 17. <laughs> just like counting on Twitter. Um, that was super cool. And it was a thing to see. And the man just, I, I mean, his pitch, his pitch repertoire is ridiculous. The fact that he added a knuckle curve within a month of meeting Craig Kimbrell still blows my mind. Um, totally here for you, Darvish being the opening day starter for all the reasons you said too. I My one thing for Kyle Hendricks is I feel like, and I don't think Kyle Hendricks cares about this. I care about this. Kyle Hendricks does not get the respect he deserves. <laughs> and I am over it. I am over every year the projection <laughs> systems come out and they're like, eh, we think Kyle Hendricks is going to re gonna regress. Eh, we think Kyle Hendricks is going to have an ERA over four. And every year Kyle Hendricks does not do that. And he's just like quietly and consistently one of the top 10 pitchers in baseball. And 
that man deserves some respect. <laughs> okay, so I feel like you're talking directly to me, which is fine. I know you're not, but I feel like <laughs> it because, I, listen, I respect that man. I know he is like, besides the fact that he is an incredibly consistent and like Greg Maddox-ish pitcher, he is also like, stone face killer like you know he just <laughs> there's no emotion there I don't feel like and that what what did they call him in spring training what was his nickname Carl his nickname is Carl do you remember when they were talking I, about I, do, that? I don't remember this you're gonna have to tell me more okay so Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo when they were mic'd up uh Kyle Hendricks was pitching and they kept calling him Carl so apparently um I one of the pitching coaches not how to be one of the other pitching coaches was on some away trip. They got, they were getting real silly and they were acting crazy. And he kept adding R's to everyone's name. So Kyle was Carl. So it just stuck. So they've been calling him Carl for like years now. So um, it, to me, it just, I don't know. Like he showed a little bit of personality with Anthony and Chris Bryant. And I really love that, but that was like the most that we're going to see out of him. He is just like stone face, stone face killer. I love that. He is, he, like I said, he would dominate at one. He would dominate at five. He's the same guy. Like we know who he is. He knows who he is. I still think that he is up for a Cy Young one of these years. Maybe oh, this is sure. his year. This, maybe this is his year. I just, and, and like, and like you said, he does not get respect. He is not somebody that is mentioned when, you know, even last year when he was having a good really front half of the season, he was not somebody that was mentioned ever, like going to the all-star game, Cy Young candidate, none of that. Cause he just kind of flies under the radar, but I think enough people now know. And if he is in that rotation at one or two, I think enough people will take notice to him and he will start to get some mentions and hopefully get the respect that he deserves. Absolutely. The other interesting thing that's going on with the rotation right now um, so the Cubs made some moves. They sent quite a few players down to the minors. They um, tipped their hand a little bit in some of the questions that we had. We've talked a little bit on this podcast about their options at the fifth spot in the rotation. One of the people that I thought had a shot at that was Edward Alzale. He has been sent to AAA, so he's not going to be that fifth spot in the rotation, at least not at the start of the season. The Another person that I thought might make the bullpen, although he is really, he, ha, he struggled a bit in spring training so far as Colin Ray. Um, both of those guys are going to start the season in AAA. It looks like this fifth spot is a race between Alec Mills and Tyler Chatwood. And I'm not going to lie, Andy, they both look incredible in spring training. Well, I am happy to eat my words if this becomes something that um, I'm completely off base on, but I kind of feel like they're both being groomed for a spot in um, our rotation. I have heard rumblings and, and maybe not from the right sources, and I am putting it out there. This is pure speculation, pure rumor, but I have seen and kind of heard that there may they, the Cubs still may be shopping on the down low. Quintana. Um, and that's kind of why the Mills Chatwood thing has been such a, um, something that they've really pressed because they see spots for both of them. I don't hate that. I love Mills and Chatwood has looked phenomenal. I am actually, and I hope that he continues this progress that he's had in the starting role, but Chatwood, I believe it was yesterday had a fantastic outing. He looked so good. So good. 
stuff is nasty. And this was not the Chatwood that we had a couple seasons ago when he was a starter. And it definitely has made some improvements. And I, I mean, it was, you know, nobody even had to come in and start and like him come in as a reliever. Like he just flat out started and it was like good Chatwood. I, I don't know what's happening here, but it was fantastic. And if that's the Chatwood we're going to get, absolutely throw him in there at five. Let's do it. Mills Mills also has had a really nice spring. Um, I, I don't think it's a bad idea to probably carry both of them to begin with, just because you just don't know, you know, I mean, spring training is different. It's a different animal. You, you put them out there. They have good, good showings. It's happened to a lot of players on, on both sides of the baseball. So, you know, it's probably not a bad idea to, to not really ink anybody in just yet and, and keep your options open. Yeah, for sure. I mean, was it you on Twitter that labeled him Tyler Chatgood or somebody else? <laughs> no, I definitely <laughs> ran with that though. As soon as I read that, I was like, yes. Yes, this is, this is great. I love this. This is the phenomenal. He is Tyler Chatgood. And as, as long as he pitches like he has been pitching, then he can have that name. Awesome. I, I, I apologize for not remembering who came up with that first, but I thought it was funny and I thought it was appropriate. Look, I don't hate the idea, depending on what you can get back, of turning Jose Quintana into something via trade. Uh, it pulls, I think, $10.5 million off the Cubs budget, which... Um, Michael Sarami and I talked a couple weeks ago about how the Cubs are still not under that competitive balance threshold. So they need to make a move or two to do that. And it, that would do it. I think both Mills and chat would look outstanding. Um, I'm not entirely sure how that plays as the season goes on. You'd love to see more depth there. I'm not, I'm not in love with the idea that the next man up would be Alzale, who still looks like he needs a little bit more work in AAA, but totally interested in hearing what the Cubs could get for Jose Quintana, who, who I love, who I think is great, but he didn't pan out quite the way I wanted him to, given that the price was, you know, Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease. Oh God, don't say it. Please don't say it. <laughs> don't say it. I'm an I Eloy mean, Jimenez bobblehead because I just, I, Eloy is always going to be a cub in my heart. <laughs> I remember when you got that. Yes, that was, it, listen, Quintana has always been somebody that I kind of have really rooted for because you want to see him do well. He just seems like somebody that you, you know, want to hug, like a, a, a big brother type, like someone that is a very sweet man. And I would love to have seen it work out and him be the pitcher that we needed him to be for the trade that we got him for. But it, it just has not worked out up until this point. And if for some reason they can't make something work before the season starts, I mean, it would be fantastic if he could go out there and throw some really good ball, maybe up his value, and we can, you know, add something more to that. But I just, gosh, I wish it would have worked out. He's just somebody that, for me, was very easy to root for. It, it was just the price was just so incredibly high for what we're not getting. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't disagree with any of that. I will say Quintana is still lights out against the Brewers. And every now and again, he has one of those starts where you're like, oh, that's that's Jose Quintana. That's what the Cubs traded for, right? He has like one of those 12 strikeout, two hit starts. And you just see that flash of brilliance. And I wish he was more consistent. Okay, listen, I just have to tell you this because I just got a ESPN alert. 
while okay. we were recording. I know it's not baseball related, so I apologize, <laughs> but it is coronavirus. These sports coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sports continue to shut fans out. The NBA owners uh, have a pretty close to a unanimous consensus to go ahead and continue the season without fans. Also, Big Ten and Big 12, I believe, started their tournaments today. Both tournaments have fans, but as of tomorrow, both tournaments will not be allowing fans in their auditoriums. Wow. Yeah. It's just good. I Wow. I just... It's, it's, crazy. A whole, it's a whole crazy. new world. Not, none of us has ever seen anything like this. None of us has any idea what to expect. And just say, stay safe, people. And hopefully you have some hand sanitizer and you're washing your hands a lot and you're being Oh, just for the love of God, wash your hands. And, <laughs> and when I say wash your hands, that doesn't mean run them under water. That means put soap on them, wash your hands, and sing the happy birthday song in your head. I don't care how fast you sing it. Sing the song all the way through. Sing it all the way through. Get between your fingers. Wash your hands. It's not a hard concept. Sorry. I'll get off my soapbox. No, that was that was great. I feel like I have a little bit of an insight into what it's like to be mommed by you now. <laughs> well, listen, when I'm in my in the bathroom at work and I hear somebody go out of a stall and like go over and I'm using air quotes right now, wash their hands. I seriously want to bust out of that stall and go chase them down and say, no, get back in there and do it again. That was not long enough. That literally was three seconds. Your hands are not clean. <laughs> <laughs> sorry no no it's, it's good I <laughs> I'm just laughing because I have similar thoughts and I'm also laughing because it's become such a thing lately I listen to a bunch of podcasts and all of them have some reference to the coronavirus or washing your hands in the title this week and apparently we're going to be the same although we'll see what the title winds up being um back to Cubs baseball and opening day decisions one of the new Interesting things for this year, as y'all remember, is that there's a 26th roster spot and the Cubs have a bit of a race going in terms of who that spot will go to. And I, and I really want to look at some of these options. Al has a piece up on Bleed Cubby Blue from yesterday. The Tribune wrote about this as well. I've seen stuff in The Athletic. There's a lot of different options. So basically, um, the Cubs are going to get a 26 man. Only 13 players can be pitchers, which means that they probably are going to be need to add a position player because they were already carrying 13 pitchers. We have some interesting candidates. Uh, Mark Gonzalez from the Tribune cites the possible candidates as being Ian Miller, who's this like kind of fifth outfielder speedster type who is leading the Cactus League in stolen bases right now, which like what? A Cub who steals bases? That is wild. Daniel Descalso, who you may remember from not hitting last season, but he's looked better this spring. David Bodie, who that, that surprises me a little bit, you know, he inked an extension with the Cubs last year and Josh Fegley, who would be the third catcher, which I, there's some interesting reasons you might carry a third catcher. And I can see David Ross, a former catcher, wanting to do that. Uh, what are you thinking, Andy, in terms of this 26 man spot? Um, so, okay. So we're not giving Descalzo an automatic spot then. I kind of. No, we're not. And frankly, I think you could add, you could very easily add Steven Souza Jr. to this list and, or, I mean, I've seen people say that Albert Almora Jr. is not a lock to make this team. Although that was not from Gonzalez's article. That's more just from people I follow on Twitter. Um, you know, I, I really like this Ian Miller guy. 
he has uh, really provided a spark on the bases and one that we have not seen in a long time. And, you know, he's pretty decent on defense. He's not, you know, he's, he's not anything really flashy, but honestly, a 26th man, I feel like if they're bringing you even just the base path speed, I feel like that's enough. And especially a difference maker. He's definitely a difference maker. He's definitely somebody that you put in a pinch run in a situation where you need that. He's going to, he's going to make things happen. I really like him and his bats decent too. Like I've seen him have some pretty decent hits. Um, Fagley. I like uh, Steven Souza jr. I really like, um, I don't, I don't really, I kind of hope that Descalzo somehow or another finds his way off of the 26 man. I feel like that was an experiment that shouldn't have, shouldn't have been signed for two years. Um, <laughs> And unfortunately, he makes three million over two years. That's a chunk. I mean, that's that's a lot of money to to not have him start off on the twenty six man roster. So, um, a lot of money for somebody of his playing capabilities. So, I don't know. I just I like these young guys. I like all of these guys. And Souza, I think um, he is definitely somebody that if you've watched any amount of spring training games and you've heard any of the interviews on field or otherwise, he is mentioned quite a bit. His teammates love him. And if you're like, I've seen a couple interviews in the dugout and he's in the background and he's constantly chatting it up with other players and chatting it up with coaches. And he is somebody I really, really like. And I think this team needs in the dugout. So if it came down to me having to choose between any of these guys, Sousa is definitely, he's a veteran. He's not somebody that's, you know, he's not terribly old, but he's been around for a while. He's coming off an injury. He's definitely somebody that's going to provide a boost and um, a veteran presence. And he's somebody that everybody really likes. And I feel like he gels well with this team. So if I had to pick one, it would definitely be him. Yeah, I mean, I – so the Cubs are in, an, are in a nice situation here in terms of – roster talent actually a much better one than I thought they would be in considering the lack of high profile signings in the offseason a lot of the guys that they brought on as sort of like minor league deals let's see how this guy pans out in camp really seem to be panning out I mean Jason Kipnis looks like a new man um he looks great actually I'd rather see Jason Kipnis on the roster than Daniel Descalso that's just me 100 percent 100 percent I love Kipnis I love Kipnis yeah. He's, he seems great. I mean, Steven Sousa Jr. seems great. I, I actually sort of have him more in the already made the roster category in my head good, than in good. the 26 I was going to say, I kind of did too. I, I was hoping that I wasn't completely off base there. No, you're not. But I, I mean, I've, I've seen people make points differently. And when you're getting to like that last roster spot, it's it's sort of questionable. I mean, I think Josh, Josh Begley has looked outstanding. I, I don't see him making the roster on opening day with that 26 man spot, just because I think the Cubs have better options with players who provide more speed. Uh, I'd rather see them carry an Ian Miller type than a third catcher um, at this point in time, at least you got to remember too, the Cubs have Miguel Amaya who just got sent to double a, who frankly looks incredible. (laughs) Like I am such a huge Amaya fan right now, but it's definitely going to be my next Jersey. I am such a sucker for catchers. I have to ask you because I am very curious. I want to pick your brain a bit. What would be your reasoning for carrying three catchers? The last we, time that 
Well, the last time that the Cubs did it uh, was in 2016, and they basically brought up Wilson in the middle of the season, and they had both they had Ross Montero and Contreras on the roster all at the same time. Well, I was going to uh, say all you had to say for me was the last time they did it was 2016. That's it. You have me sold. We all know what happens in 2016. So that's it. I'm good. (laughs) There's two really interesting things there. So one is that Wilson played out of position a lot in 2016. Now I'm also on the record as saying that I don't think there's anything wrong with seeing what Wilson can do in the outfield now and again. Um, Frankly, I think it would extend his career a lot. He strikes me as somebody who is a good catcher not great defensively, outstanding offensively, and he can play in other places. So he, he's got some value there in some other spots, but they haven't done that as much with him since 2016. The I don't really know that the Cubs are in the same situation they were with Ross and Montero. Ross and Montero were both older catchers who were nearing the end of their career, and having Wilson there made a lot of sense as an additional option. Contreras and Caratini are both like in their prime. <laughs> I mean, either one of those dudes could be the starting catcher for a major league team, right? I was so, going to say, I feel like Caratini could start for 80% of the teams in major league could. baseball. Caratini yeah. would be an upgrade for most teams in major league baseball. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Um, and so sometimes when I look at this, I'm like, you wouldn't carry a third catcher because you'd just be adding one more guy that needs to split playing time. And frankly, Caratini and Wilson need plate appearances. <laughs> Because they're right. both outstanding. Right. So, yeah, I, I kind of am leaning towards Ian Miller. But it's going to be really interesting to watch. And I'm I, I'm excited about this team. Like, if, if these guys are who they look like they are in spring training, some of these bargain basement deals really hit. Well, I tend to agree with you. And I also, I'm very much into the... Um, the the vibe that I'm getting from this team too. I mean, I did I have watched them play. I I have actually analyzed in my head how they've been playing, but I hate getting so excited about spring training because I feel like it's kind of a foreshadowing thing because you, it's just not the same. You know, spring training is a different animal. But I just feel like there is a certain element to this team that was missing. And now I kind of feel like I don't want to say it's like a looseness or like a you know, like they're playing, I don't know the right way to describe it, but I just feel like there's a little bit more youthfulness, a little bit more um, energy to them that is different than what it's been in the past couple seasons. And maybe that is because it's spring training and it tends to be a little bit more lackadaisical. Maybe it's not. Maybe that is now how the coaching staff approaches games or how they approach, you know, getting ready for a game. I don't know. But I just really like how this team has made me feel when I'm watching them. Like, I feel like I just feel very renewed. This was kind of an off season where I felt like it was a doom or gloom type situation. And like, there were days when I wasn't, I love doing this with you and talking baseball with you, but there were days when it just was like, what do we even talk about? You know, like, it just felt like there was not much to be excited about. And it was just one of those off seasons where it was just like, ho-hum, you know, this is, this is not okay. We need to be, have something to be excited about. I'm back. Like, I feel very excited about this team and I'm actually, I actually like the fact that people are counting them out because I feel like they're using that as motivation and, like people are like, that's fine. You know, the Cubs, are, the Cubs players are like, that's fine. Forget about us. Don't think about us, but you'll, and then you'll never see us coming type thing, which 
I'm totally good with, and I can't wait. I feel like these guys are kind of playing with the tip on their shoulder right now, or like they have that mentality getting ready to go into the season. Now it's just that anxiousness for two weeks, having to wait for actual baseball. Yeah, I agree that they're playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and like kind of, I mean, so Obvious Shirts has a Wilson Contreras shirt from the start of 2019 that says, don't believe me, just watch. And I'm still waiting for that shirt in a women's V-neck Obvious Shirts. Just just throwing that out there. <laughs> hey, don't. Um, <laughs> just in case. Uh, no, but seriously, I sort of feel like this team is the don't believe us, just watch team this year. And the one thing you you mentioned briefly, but I, I just want to call it out. You mentioned the coaching staff, David Ross, man. I think that David Ross is having an effect on this team. And I see it in the interviews that he does. I see it in the energy. I see it a little bit in the interviews the other coaches are doing. And maybe that is what, it can't be that simple. It feels like that's wrong, that it could be so simple as the David Ross effect. But I see a different energy too. And that's the biggest thing that changed. Well, I don't think that's wrong. I mean, I think that that can really, really flip flip the script for for people. You know, I mean, that's really it's a new start. It's a it's a it's a, a clean slate. It's a different feeling when you walk into the locker room, and you know, it's just there's like a lighter a lighter sense of you know camaraderie and like people like I don't know. It just it feels like there's just something behind the scenes that's being done differently for these guys to be the way that they are. You know, and maybe that was always there or maybe there was just an underlying something that that existed before and you know, I'm not knocking anybody that was here before. You guys know how much we love Joe Madden. I just don't think and I I like really want to smack myself right now for saying this because I kind of laughed at all the people that said it for so long. I just, I think that they just needed a new voice there. I said it, I said it. <laughs> we, we won't, we won't hold you to it too much. Uh, one last topic before we have to sign off for today. The Javier Baez extension talks are still continuing. However, um, Bleacher Nation reports that those have to be done by opening day. The Cubs have traditionally not continued extension talks during the season. Um, so you either have a Javier Baez extension by the 26th of March or you don't. I want a Javier Baez extension so badly. They're not words. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, I, you know, the, 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 the realistic side of me, I think feels like it's not going to happen, but the hopeful side of me is like, come on, we did not get any big, good surprises this whole off season. Let this be that boost of momentum that we need to push us into the, to the season to get us started on the right foot. Let this be that. Let this be kind of a, a, a wake-up call to everybody else that we are serious about keeping you guys together as best we can. This is what we're doing. We're going to do something for our players and really show that we're putting our confidence in these guys. And that's a good way to do it. And that's a good way to send a message to the other guys, you know, that, that we believe in you guys. And this is, we're here for you as long as you guys are here for us. So please, please, please hire power. If you're listening to me, let there be a hobby extension. Yeah. John Heyman reports that there's still hope for a deal. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. We are going to be keeping an eye on all things Javier Baez and possible extension, all things opening day, and all things coronavirus as opening day. <laughs> uh, 
You can find me at, at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find Andy at, at BRYZ underscore blue. You can find both of us at, at Cup of Cubby Blue. And in two weeks, you can find us talking about Cubs baseball after opening day. Bye.